Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. It's 27 days to the Dublin City Marathon as we record this. By the time you listen to it, it'll be 25. And I'm sure the clock is ticking down in loads of people's heads to whatever it is you're training for. It's not normal for it all to go smoothly, is it, Sonia? It'd be be very strange for a training block to just go one end to the other absolutely perfectly. Has that ever happened? Does that ever happen? There's always bumps in the road, right? Well, you don't know because most people who are training for a marathon or big race, if they do have bumps in the road, they just play it quietly for a few days and they don't really talk about it too much and they just hope that they can ride the waves and get through it and then come out the other side. Yeah. So I, I think that's a big thing is people, they, if they do have an issue or something crops up unexpected, that kind of, I suppose, takes you out of the perfect plan. Yep. Then they try to have the minimum of the structure as possible. And I suppose the easiest way to do that in some ways, which is the opposite of what we're going to do today, is, <laughs> is to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I have taken that approach myself in that my bump in the road happened on Sunday. I found myself out on my long run and just nothing, like the key turning in the engine and nothing happening. Uh, weak as a kitten is how I described myself. Uh, at 26 or 27 kilometers in this supposed 32k run. And I did keep it quiet in that I didn't post it to Strava. I didn't want to generate any chat about it. I definitely messaged the WhatsApp group for the Irishman running abroad to say thank you to Paddy Martin, the man that accompanied me on this run, who wouldn't leave my side, forgo his own, forgave his own run and said, I'll stay with you. We'll get you through this and we'll get you back to the car. And I'm massively grateful to him for that. And I said, Sonia, this is essentially the center of Irishmen running abroad is helping each other through your running. But I was going to keep it very low profile. And then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to be the only one who has this. Uh, You surely over the years have had runs like that, training runs or days where you've suddenly hit a point where you're like, no, it's not. It's not there today. Oh, yeah, I think everybody does. You, and, and a lot of it can be down to accumulation of what's gone before. Mm-hmm. The training that you've done, or maybe you've had a few extra things going on in your life, a bit of travel, and you, you think you're managing it, and you're trying to balance everything. And then all of a sudden, things get a bit out of balance, and they go too much in the wrong direction, and it just knocks you over the edge. Yeah. And what, what's the first step there? Like when you found yourself knocked off the edge, where you just haven't got that balance right, is the first step to just acknowledge it, accept where you are? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think the best thing you can do is you acknowledge that, okay, things are not quite right here. I've got to adjust and I've got to adapt and I have to react. And how am I going to do all those things without panicking? Hmm. And, and there's, you've got to think there's so much work that you've done already that a few days of just kind of getting things back, getting the balance back again, feeling your kind of momentum, feeling good again, the equilibrium in your body, everything is out of kilter. And you just kind of in the state of, 
I don't know what to do here. How am I going to figure this out? And so much has gone before that it can actually take a few days, even up to a week to get yourself back together again and to reset and realign. And sometimes if it takes a few days before you actually start to feel better, you nearly have to, instead of just jumping back on the horse and getting going again and continuing where you left off is to say, okay, I'm just going to have to get through this week nice and easy and then I'll start again on Monday. It's a bit of a reset week then. You're kind of thinking, okay, when I've done so much hard work right now, then if I keep trying to push through this, I could wreck the whole thing. Mm. And then by doing that, then it becomes a whole mess. Whereas if you just take a step back and realize that you've done so much work, you've put in so many long runs, that you've had so much time that there's been enough training sessions, long runs built in to kind of compensate for these like issues or like, hurdles or stumbling blocks that will come along the way that you just have to accept it and kind of say, okay, well, now I've got to approach this differently and I can't ignore what my body is telling me here. It's not an injury. So you're still able to get out there. You're still able to run. But sometimes an illness can be harder to deal with because you think it's not an injury. So you think you can just push through it. And by doing that, then you may extend the life of it a bit longer than, than it really needs to be. Wow. I wish we had this chat last Wednesday when all of this began. I guess the last time we spoke, I was coming back from Killarney and had done a luscious 32K around the lakes there and was feeling full of the joys, but it had a tiny wee sniffle. And I guess this, the cautionary tale of it all, of what Sonia's talking about is you feel it coming on and you, you still go, ah, yeah, I can run through that. It's, it's symptoms above the neck, which are the general rule, right? If it's above the neck, you can keep going. 12k tempo run was what was on the cards for me last Tuesday. And I went out and did it on the N2, which I do not know what possessed me to do it on a motorway, but it definitely felt attritional. And when I came back, I had shivers, was flat on my back, had pains all over my body and was really, really sick uh, for 48 hours. And I think I did exactly what you are saying I shouldn't have done in that after that 48 hours, I leapt straight back on the horse, easy 8k on Friday, easy 10k on Saturday and went for the long run Sunday. Had I not done those things, do you like my fear would have been I'm going to miss that long run. But you're you're pointing at that you're going to miss more long runs if you don't listen at this point. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's hard to kind of step back and look at it from the outside yourself, because the whole time you're trying to rationalize that it's not that bad. I'm actually okay. I can get through this. So you're looking at all the positives and the reasons why you shouldn't stop. And I suppose in a way, that's why it's good to have coaches and people to talk to. Mm. That when things like this crop up, you can kind of, and, and sometimes athletes won't tell the coaches, which makes it even more difficult. <laughs> they won't know afterwards. Yeah. Do and you have say, that yeah, a bit? I was feeling a bit sick there during the week and it's like, okay, but she didn't say anything. So <laughs> yeah, we, we pushed on. <laughs> Yeah, and I definitely like didn't say it to you guys. Here, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I know that Vinny will be thinking that. We'll talk to Vinny Mulvey later in the show who designed the program. But I know that when 
Like I rang him on the long run, just like I did in the London Marathon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's when you know you're in trouble, when you're on the phone to your coach while on your long run, sitting on a bench in the Phoenix Park. And I said to him, this is not going to plan, Vinny. And it was, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but it wouldn't have taken a fortune teller to know that if you were that sick that you probably shouldn't be out here trying to hammer 32 on the Sunday. So if we've covered acceptance and kind of surrender, as you would, might call it, to where you are, what's the next step, Sonia, in navigating these bumps, dips or um, stumbling blocks in your training? Well, I think, as, as, you, as we said before, is to acknowledge it and then to kind of say, okay, you've got to cast aside the rigid training plan that we're on mm. and we've got to make a, a mini plan here now. We're going to, this is like an escape plan. How am I going to get out of this? Okay. So you take a little, you're going down the motorway and you're going to take an exit. Figure out, okay, how am I going to get myself right so I can get back on that motorway again? Yeah. A bit like, this happened to me the other night. <laughs> I was coming back from the coast to the town and strangely in America, there was like a long gap between petrol stations. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, yeah, there were some moments of panic there. Oh, no. And, oh, yeah. And I did get get off the road and pull into this, what looked like a very quaint old store with a couple of petrol things out the front. But just as I pulled in, I could see a man running into the shop and closing the door and putting up the clothes sign. And oh, I was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this. Just, I, just as you pulled in? Oh, yeah. And oh. at 20... Miles left in the tank. Oh. <laughs> is there anything worse than that panic? Oh, so I even got him to open the door, but no way was he putting giving me any petrol. You're joking me. Nothing. On so, what basis? Oh, that he had, they just, it was a bit like going into a copy shop and they've just turned the copy machine off. Yeah. I guess they, they must turn the pumps off. Then <laughs> maybe it's a big deal to turn them back on again. <laughs> oh my God. So what did you do? <laughs> So, well, I asked him, where is the next closest place? And because when on the, the, the phone, because it's, if honestly, it's a, re- a major petrol station, they don't really come up. Hmm. Yeah, it was pitch black in the dark. And I was thinking, I'm going to get stuck out here. It's yeah. nowhere. So I, when, by the time I came back out, there was another car after pulling in. And they were going the opposite direction to me. And they were in a similar situation. So then we kind of traded information and <laughs> about where was the closest petrol station in the opposite direction to the one where, which one did I pass and which one did they last pass? Mm. And it ran in the petrol shop had told me it was about 26 miles away. And these people said, oh, it's about 15 miles, I think, up the road. And then I thought, well, there's nothing I can do here. I just have to go for it. Yeah. And so I had to put rescue plan into action. And it's great in a lot of BMW cars, you can press this eco pro oh, button. the old eco button. Yeah, yeah. And it starts to make fuel. You gain miles, you know. So as we're driving along, every time we came to a down, your lines just like foot off the gas. <laughs> Banking the fuels. <laughs> there is a marathon metaphor in here, for sure. It was crazy. Like I got down to, I think it was like, Six miles, I was maybe five or six was the lowest I saw on the gauge. And I was like, oh my God. 
And then I got it back up to 15 again. And I was like, God, this is fantastic. <laughs> I pulled into another one that was kind of like a small little place again on the side of the road. And this was just as we were getting back into kind of civilization. There was, there was beginning to be a little bit of hope. There was lights on the road. And up to that point, there was a big moon out. And I was thinking, oh, well, at least the moon will be there if I have to walk up the road. <laughs> but when I pulled into this next petrol station, and that was closed, but you could help yourself with petrol, with a card. Yeah. Only but right, it, yeah. But it was an old style one. So it was like like pressing the button A and the button B and stuff. And I was like, oh my God. And of course, I can't read anything at this stage. Why not? <laughs> because I can't. I didn't have my glasses. Peeling <laughs> <laughs> around in the dark. Oh my God. So, but you know, this is like out in the middle of nowhere. So there's, a, there's another fella in there. This young kid in a pickup truck and without even thinking, I'm like, oh, I just got to ask this guy to help me. And then afterwards, I'm thinking like, I could have been anything there. I could have been in some movie. Yeah. I could have been murdered out in the road. Well, that is always what I associate these sleepy uh, towns with. <laughs> You're not from around these parts, are you, Sonia? yet. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's a car chase taking place. But uh, this young lad sorts you out in the end. So he did, he showed me which buttons to press and how to get it going. And I got, and I survived to tell the tale. But I think the lesson there is that you have to take the foot off the gas and mm. you have to get your energy back. And it's just like that with running is that you have to take the easy route for a few days and not burn up your energy. No, you're, you're kind of not really running with the purpose of training for the marathon. Mm. But you're running for for your head more than your body if you're running. And um, if you can take a day off, you take a day off and you just let, let yourself recover as quick as you can. I, I know you know what I'm going to say next because I'm sure you've lived it. The wrestling match that will be going on in the mind of somebody who is 25 days out from Dublin will not be an easy one because there will be some part of their psyche that's saying time is wasting. It's ticking by the target time I wanted is slipping through my hands. How did you in your day cope with that little devil on your shoulder going, mm, this is this might be wise, but is it going to help? Is it really going to help my time? Yeah, you're right there. I mean, it's easy for me now to look at a situation and, and even for you to look situation that happened last week and say, oh, this is what I should have done. And maybe I've got away with it. You know, I can just kick on and keep going. But there's still a few weeks to go and there's, there's lots of people out there training who may run into a similar situation. And I think the number one thing is that you just don't panic and you, you just have to believe that you're not going to get that on face with a few days off. We all think we are, and it's a, definitely a runner's mindset, is that you feel like you have to get out there and run. And I feel that now even, like you just feel like, well, I'd feel better if I go for a run. You like, I can't walk down the stairs, I'm like, my ankle is sore, my hip is sore. Yeah, a run, it'll help. But, but yeah, I'll go for a run, I'll feel better afterwards. And yeah. actually I do, so that's, that's not really a good example. <laughs> yeah, in your case, that's not. Yes. No. But, but certainly. But I'm yeah. not. But I'm not training for the Dublin Marathon. Sure. So. Sure. And and, and runners training for Dublin Marathon also think 
a run will fix everything. A run is the answer. Yeah. And, uh, and then sometimes it's just, you have to do something to distract yourself from thinking about it and from the guilt that goes through your head. And even I'm not very hungry now. I don't, I don't, you know, because you're so used to going for a run and coming back and you're like so hungry for your food that you're really looking forward to it. But then all of a sudden, because you've all this stuff going on in your head, you're, it's like you're, energy or your your appetite it, it just disappears and you don't have it anymore so mm-hmm. you have to find things that will distract you and i suppose if you're feeling sick then it's not ideal to go to swimming pool it doesn't really help it doesn't it's not a good place to go so maybe you just have to do some gentle stretching at home just something to fill an hour mm. so that you don't feel like you're just sitting on the couch waiting for this illness to heal to pass or, yeah yeah so I'm looking at the plan that Vinny has set out for this week. And unlike those that ran the Dublin City half marathon, I sent Sonia a link to the woman that won it. And we will discuss that later on. It was quite an amazing story that we managed to skip by last week. Vinny very much has scaled things back. But one thing he can't scale back is my tune-up race, which is the three-quarters marathon, fast lane, three-quarters marathon taking place in Dublin this Sunday. Now, Vinny's going to come on and talk about what the plan is for that. But I doubt that that's ideal either, Sonia, when you've kind of got a thing in the plan that you kind of can't get out of. What do you do in that scenario? Well, it, it probably depends what the goal for this, what did you call it, a lead-up race? The yeah. last lead? Build-up Ch- Tune-up, yeah. Tune-up race. Like, what was the goal for that? And I think I heard Vinny talking before about when people run a half marathon or a marathon, that you don't necessarily go into it to run marathon pace, but you go in there running a little bit quicker Mm. so that you get the boost from it when you then slow down to your marathon pace. But you may be at a point now where you might have to adjust that thinking and Mm. say, okay, listen, we've got to go in here at marathon pace. And then when we're going at this marathon pace, it will feel good later on. Mm. We can pick it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think you have to monitor things as they go, mm. how you're feeling, and not be so obsessed with the time. And the end goal, is, it's a three-quarter marathon. Like, I mean, who knows even what the time of a three-quarter marathon means? <laughs> exactly, so. yeah. Yeah, I'll look forward to that chat later on in the episode. If you want to hear it, come over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad and start enjoying double size episodes with Sonia. Get the extra guidance that you might need for the marathon that you're training for and enjoy years and years, three years, in fact, of conversations with Sonia on all manner of subjects, including her half marathon training plan and, of course, the full Irishman Abroad archive. The reason why I was so tired and got myself into this position is just like so many of our listeners, there isn't just running in my life. I'm not at Nike headquarters like Sonia, just focused on the run each day. I am, of course, on tour at the moment. Your Man, the new stand-up show I've written, is going absolutely everywhere. This week I will be in Bristol. Next week, two shows in London, Leicester Square Theatre on Friday and Saturday night. Then New Ross on October 20th, Ulster Hall on the 26th, Ross Common on the 27th, and then I'll take a night off before the Dublin City Marathon. We've also added one, because the Leicester Square London shows are completely sold out, we've added one huge night, the biggest venue I've ever played in London, 
Shepherd's Bush Empire is on sale this Friday. I thought it was a good idea to put in shows the week before the Dublin Marathon to take my mind off the taper, to go out and do <laughs> some stuff. But I'm starting to regret that idea. If we step away for a moment from the idea of navigating bumps in the road. Navigating the taper is a challenge in itself, isn't it, Sonia? Would you recommend putting in activities in the, in the week leading up to take you away from it? Because I know you've described this boredom before the race itself as maybe one of the more tricky mental uh, assault courses to navigate. Um, well, normally when you navigate the taper and you try and fill in the gap, that will be left by you running less and running probably closer to home so you're not traveling as much then yeah you try and fill in with like probably not very high energy activities movies uh, movies something like that bingo movies <laughs> is not bad to maybe watch something on Netflix I watched a great show the other night we have a show of the week. We're going to need a, a Sonia Recommends bit. The Noah Lyles documentary last week, which I found Oh, actually, myself. that was very good. Really yeah. good. Really yeah. good. I'll put the link yeah. in the info. What were you watching this week? Actually, I must get the name of it now. It was, I think it's called Flora and Son. It's on Apple TV. So I don't know. It may be on something else over there. It's a but musical. It's in... No, it's not a musical. <laughs> But it is about music. It's about music. It's listed as a musical. Okay. Really? Oh. Yeah. It's based in, in, in Dublin, so it's great. It's always okay. good fun when it's in yeah, back home. Dublin. Yeah. You're forever looking to see, do I recognize this place? Gord Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And, and an old friend of the show, Jack Rayner, is in this. Jack Rayner? Yeah, Jack, Jack Rayner. was a guest of the show many years ago. Uh, so Jack Rayner, the runner? No, no, there's, there's an actor called Jack Rayner as well. <laughs> No, Jack Rayner can't Because run. you possibly met Jack Rayner as well, did you, in London? Maybe I did. Or maybe maybe you just met Brett Robinson. But this is Brett a, yes, I met Brett, of course. But Jack normally comes along as Zig and Zag with, with Jack. <laughs> <laughs> They're both half marathon and marathon runners from Australia. And they normally do a lot of road races together and travel in Europe. So I thought you might have met him there, but no. No, different Jack Rayner, but right. also a very talented actor. This is John Carney's new movie, Flora and Son, on Apple TV, and that's Sonia's recommendation of the week. Yeah, it got some, uh, as I said to my, um, it was actually Sophie's coach I passed it on to, and I said, oh, cause she's got two young kids, so I said, there's a bit of um, colourful Irish language in there to start. <laughs> just just be warned. Okay, well, a if you like, A bit like Shane Lowry in Golf Course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm saving up that kind of thing. I think that's a good tip for that week that before that marathon, which you probably haven't put any plans in for, was why I asked the question about what activities are good that week. Saving up the movies, the things that you have not been able to watch because of all the running you've been doing. I know that Tina turned to me this week and said, when are you going to get this marathon thing out of your system? <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not the only person listening to this right now who has been asked this by their partner. She said, you proved you've, you can run a marathon in, in London. What's the point in doing it again? And the analogy, I said, yeah, this is a good question because it's like building a shed in your back garden. You have a shed now. Why would you build a second shed? And I said, it's do to prove. Do to, no, they don't and they shouldn't. But if somebody <laughs> was to build a second shed, 
it would be to prove to their partner that they could build the second one faster than the other one. They get a, a special hammer <laughs> that'll make them <laughs> do better. It is it is a head game, isn't it? And I guess the, the, this kind of period, 25 days out, the reason why I'm bringing this up is you are asking yourself when you find yourself on the side of the road on one of those really down days, why am I doing this? Is that a good thing to do when you find yourself hitting a stumbling block? Just get down on paper. Well, what are the goals? And do we need to, as you say, taper them back a tiny bit? Yeah, that's that's a really good idea. I think to write things down. I mean, it's like anything. If you're trying to figure something out, it's always a good idea to write things down and you kind of create a little space for yourself of, okay, where am I at? Hmm. Where have I come from? And where am I going? Yeah. And then you can see the how much progress that you've made and where you've got to. And you really have to nearly write off the week if you have to take a week out. And I think you just have to write it off. You do enough stuff that you're not coming to a complete standstill. That's it's a big change to get back into normal running next week. I mean, you may have to lower the mileage a little bit next week. You just don't want to go from being sick to being injured. Yeah. So it becomes definitely a balancing game to to man to work things out. But it, the, I think the big message here is to listen to your body and listen really carefully and always remember that what's written down in paper is just a guide. That's not the gospel. This is a guide to help you to get to where you want to be. And if you have to make adjustments or adapt it a little bit, and you're not sure what to do yourself, then you can talk to me, you can talk to Vinny, you can talk to Tina, and she'll say, yeah. come on, let's just go for lunch. <laughs> Forget yeah. that run. Yeah. The shed can be finished later. <laughs> One thing Paddy Martin brought up, shout out again to Paddy Martin, the man who got me through that very difficult run on Sunday, uh, was recovery rooms. Now, these are things that are uh, popping up all over the world. Uh, in fact, I do want to talk to you about piece that I'm writing for the Sunday Business Post at the moment is about a piece of technology called Limbo that uh, is basically a chip that you put in your arm with a needle on the end of it, which measures your blood sugar level at all time. Now, this thing has helped millions of people lose a ton of weight. People who are really struggling to lose weight have found having their blood sugar level measured and being told by their phone exactly when they should eat and encouraging them to make better choices. It's really helped. They're calling it the limbo revolution. Now, the piece that I'm writing is how this thing is not yet calibrated for those training for marathons who don't necessarily need to hear, ah, 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 no more carbs for you. <laughs> you know in your head, I'm going to need every one of these carbs for this run that's coming up this evening. Now, should they do that? I think that this thing is going to blow up. I really think that runners will use it, especially in this age of Jakob Ingebrigtsen lactate uh, measurement that if they could get a limbo to measure your lactate even if you don't know what that means you'd still be like look at me <laughs> I'm measuring my lactate and <laughs> doing better running as a result the the rooms though that piece will be in the paper in two weeks time these recovery rooms Sonia what's your opinion of these are you are they cropping up in America the same way as they are here I mean there's two within 20 minutes of my house at the moment no, I no. haven't seen. No, the only thing I can relate it to is a few years ago in Australia, 
and maybe these are similar. There was a thing called salt rooms. Oh. Have you ever come across these? So that'd be like baths. Is that what that is? No, not even. No, it was weird. Like you went into this room and there was just salt everywhere. Like, so you sat in a chair and the chair was covered in a, like a white sheet. Yeah. And it was very comfortable and nice rooms, very nicely decorated and everything. Yeah. You were just, it was called salt therapy. Yeah. And it was salt, like, like snow, salt all over the room, lower. And apparently it was really good for kids with asthma, I think, and for breathing problems that you would just go in there and you would sit in there for, you would sit there for 45 minutes or an hour and just sit there. Inhaling salt. Inhaling the salt. There's no phones or anything like that. Yeah. So you really had to be able to sit in your own company doing nothing. I'm not sure if you could even read, but yeah, just closing your eyes and breathing in the salt. Wow. So that is so funny. So I'm looking it up right now. Salt clinic. There's a salt clinic in Dublin. Yes. For respiratory and allergy treatments. Exact thing that you're describing here. Now, I had not heard of this. The Salt Cave is another one in Balbriggan. There's a whole load of them. You're right. This is, this is another thing that was kicking off. Because I actually thought when you said, when you started, that you were going to talk about these IV rooms, which were the other thing that was kicking off when I was leaving London. You could go and get a drip put into your arm, which I know under World Athletics rules, completely illegal. But people were doing this to cure their hangovers. <laughs> they go in and get a drip to sort them out the next morning. And I mean, that's a, that's a ways away from what Paddy Martin was talking about. I mean, these recovery rooms are basically, if you can't afford the boots, the inflatable pants, you go in there, they'll give you the, the, the cold bath, then they'll give you the hot bath, then they'll give you the sauna, and then you stick on the boots for half an hour. And for 25 quid, your legs should be tip top at the end of it. But those aren't, those aren't taking hold in, in America. You say no. I haven't seen them here, but now I haven't been looking for them either. And I suppose I have all that over at Nike, so I don't. Yeah, it's outside my radar. But now that you mention it, and you go through all the little things they have, I do remember there's there was one set up in Australia, where we near close to where we are in Melbourne, hmm. and when I was there last, and I think Sinead's diver had been there a few times, and she actually gave me a little path to go there, which I hadn't got yet. I hadn't gone there or used up yet, but it's probably expired now. <laughs> yeah. But I'd be, I'd be trying to get in there now, but I think they had this cryotherapy room as well. Oh, yeah. Where you could go into the ice cold. Yeah, no, I don't really understand this cryo. So this is like the, uh, what is it? It's, it's where you see the kind of smoky iced air and it, it goes way below zero. Is that not too, too cold to even tolerate? It is very cold and they're like chambers, so you can walk into them. It's like walking into a fridge Mm. and I mean, it would be a bit scary. I I think maybe they have, maybe the roof is open. I can just remember seeing. Yeah, I've seen people stand in them. But when people go into them, you have to wear special like things on your fingers and your toes and around your precious air (laughs) that you don't freeze them off. Yeah, frostbite. (laughs) Spite when you're going in there and yeah it's a big thing it was really big in Poland like years ago and I think since then they definitely have them bobbing up around the place to help recovery it must be 
it's a bit like cold water therapy, except to the extreme mm. level of it. Well, I and know it's that probably that whole thing it shocks your system. Mm. We don't shock our system enough, so you miss that whole kind of when you jump into cold water and you take a big deep breath. And I think that's the thing that really that's the benefit that we're we, we kind of we're too we get too comfortable now. People get up in the morning and they have the heating on. I actually, I always open the window or the door when I get up and let the fresh air in until I'm too cold and then I have to close it again. <laughs> yeah, so you, so you think that's actually part of it is actually just getting your body to go into a place that it's not totally comfortable. That's half the thing. Yeah, and you're just changing the, the changing your body temperature. Whereas I think a lot of the time now we're in a very comfortable temperature state the whole time. We don't, so we don't go to the extremes because... We have heaters, we have air conditioners, we have enough. We're always putting our clothes on. Mm. You have big clothes on in the winter, hats, gloves. We never really get that cold. And it's actually a good feeling when you do, when you go for a run sometimes, or if you go on a bike ride and you get so cold and it's, it's uncomfortably cold, but you, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You, There's you like a briskness to it. Yeah. I mean, actually, I did, one thing I did last night, you'd love this now, and you haven't done it for a while. I went to a hot yoga class. Oh, I miss hot yoga and so much. I've been to, I thought I'd been to hot yoga before, but it wasn't this hot yoga. Like, it was really hot. Yeah, that's, and, that's like the one you want. So hot that you sweat so much that you have to actually have a shower before you leave the building. Oh, 100%. Yeah, now you're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then... You'd rinse your I, clothes afterwards, like squeeze them out. Oh, yeah. But then it was amazing. By the time I got... I was only... It was 15 minutes away. So by the time I got back and I had on... It was it was after a nice day, but then I had cooled down. So I had to put a sweatshirt on on the way back. But you get this real kind of warm feeling from inside you. Oh, it's really weird. Oh, you're describing everything I miss about hot yoga. I need to find a hot yoga studio near me here because I'd imagine that once this Dublin Marathon is done, I'll need to get stuck into keeping these muscles supple and, uh, like you say, uh, ready for anything. That is a discomfort, like no more than the cold. That discomfort of that heat is part of it, of kind of pushing through that I found that I was getting from it and that would later be helpful with running. Uh, I did want to bring up somebody who, who ran in discomfort or as it, as it appeared before we go around the parishes. And that woman's Aoife Cleary. Now, Ian O'Reardon, our friend at the Irish Times, wrote a brilliant <laughs> piece about her winning the Dublin half marathon in a yellow floral running top, lime green shorts, pink headband, Beats style headphones, no super running shoes. She literally looked like she had just joined the run, having spotted that there was a run on. Now, she's a much better runner than that outfit suggests because she absolutely strolled this in a time of one hour, 18 minutes, 11 seconds, over three minutes ahead of second place. And I'm sure people listening to this were going, why didn't you talk about this last week? This woman's performance is sensational. And the quote uh, uh, she gave the Irish Times was, I've no interest in running a marathon once. Just to say I did it. No one cares. <laughs> I love the blast of uh, honesty uh, and difference that we get with Aoife Cleary. So big shout out to her. Sonia, you, you got this piece. I pinged it over to you. What did you make of it? Yeah, no, I actually saw the article during the week, but 
every now and then the Irish Times, if I write for the Irish Times, it locks you out and you can't read these articles. Mm. <laughs> so, so when you sent it today, I was able to open it up and I was having a read and yeah, it was amazing. So I followed her then on Strava and she actually, she's a good runner. Yeah, she's putting so, up big miles. that's where we'll leave it this week for your free version of the Irishman running abroad come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad and hear Sonia's take on Aoife Cleary on the rest of the training for the lead up to the Dublin Marathon we'll even get Vinnie Mulvey on the line to talk with Sonia about these dips and how he recommends people navigate them you'll really want to get the extra expertise of Vinnie involved there it's always great fun when the two of them are on the line Come on over patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad, a couple of clicks and you're in. There's no obligation. You can cancel any time you like. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. 